Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Gene Ginsberg here and welcome to another episode of Listen by Gene Ginsberg. Super excited to be here. I have a very special guest, Anthony. How are you, Anthony? I'm great, Gene. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you for being here. And I always like to start. The first question is try to give our audiences some context. So tell us about your background. My background. Well, let's see. I was born July 1985. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Good background. <laughs> always an easy, an easy one. You know, I do think about uh, in business. I'm a, I'm a small business owner, entrepreneur. I've invested in a few business. My main, my main gig is I, I own and operate a company, um, really kind of a turnaround artist called Una. We're a group purchasing organization. Um, but when I think of background, like I think of my family, I was raised by two teachers. Um, and at the collegiate level, my dad taught art, uh, sculptor and painting. And my mom was a equestrian uh, teacher. My, my older brother, who's a partner, uh, owns a food service management company and some technology investments. You know, I've got business all around me on my mom's side. My, my two uncles own a, a rental business. So I, I share that background because it's, it's always made sense to me, the hustle. Um, and I think it I've been fired three times, like as an employee, I, I don't think being an employee has ever made sense to me. I don't, I don't gloat about that. That's just been my story. Um, and here I am today. I'm out of Kansas city. I'm married. I've got a couple of kids and trying to hustle and make it happen and do what people say is some kind of work-life balance, which I think is relative. Right. Right. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to that because I feel like, yes, hustling, that's such a big piece of you know, I mean, ends, all, right? what's that yeah it never ends i mean you know this yeah. you're in a business and yeah you're, you're absolutely uh but i can also relate to the whole unemployable thing like i feel like i'm at this yeah. point unemployable like i don't never i think to me the biggest failure is like i would have to get a full-time job yeah you just me. get stuck in a machine and you're starting to trade hours for dollars and you're not you know you're yeah. just not able to think exponentially and growth and try new things and um, you know, you can work for somebody else and maybe have, maybe that works. And I like, you know, Gary Vee says this, he's not the only one to say it, but it's okay to work for somebody else and be a number six or number 50. But, um, if you have a dream and you feel like you've got something you can add to the marketplace of product or service, which I feel like we do pretty well in our niche, man, go for it. Cause life is short. Yeah, so. absolutely. So what is your business now? If you want to share with our audiences? Yeah. So again, Una at una.com, so una.com. We are a group purchasing organization. Uh, we've kind of a fanciful way of, most people probably haven't heard of that, um, but we service private business. Usually, you know, they can have 50 employees to 5,000 employees. And we, and we also service um, non-acute healthcare, which is just a fancy way of saying healthcare that's, that's not hospital or hospital systems, if you will, which, which is kind of all, all kinds of healthcare, alternative healthcare. And the long and short of it is it's, it's kind of like Costco for business. We, we have bulk opportunities uh, with, with major industry brands that you've heard of. So everything from like 
staples to FedEx to, to furniture things, categories. I should probably say categories rather than brands. But if you go to our site, we can see it. So we have national contracts because of our leveraged buying volume. And we help companies buy like the big boys. That's what we say. So in the short term, we're you know a procurement team or a one, one woman or one man show or even a team. Uh, might work with Una to say, hey, we need to build, you know, we want to be able to source better, buy more competitively. We don't have a lot of spend in this category. Can you help us? It's free to be a member. Uh, we service, you know, it's a nationwide. We have actually even extended to Canada as well. So we really love it. We think it's a mission that makes sense, especially with COVID, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. It's hard not to talk about the pandemic, but helping companies save money. And so we we inspired to do that. Our, our theme is we want to be a sourcing accelerator, and and of course through that people are going to get more profitability. And you know, look if you're helping companies save at least seventy five thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, that's that's um that's a one person headcount. So you're helping people keep jobs or add folks, and that's value to the marketplace and value to our economy. So that's how we think about it. Right. And so what do the is it just like? products at home like products for your office like paper it could and be pencils. office supplies it could be yeah we've got a shipping contract we've got travel contracts which of course are not as as uh, robust right now as travel makes its comeback we've got um, food distribution con uh, contracts so obviously we focus more so into kind of a universal expenses that every business has you know they're shipping things they, they're buying uh, certain raw materials that may not function directly with what they're doing today, but it's a, it's a general expense. It could be HR labor. It could be um, office supply or, um, you know, office furniture. It could be um, pest control. I mean, the list is so long. So we've got thousands of contracts in our portfolio. Um, and, you know, most of the time we'll, we'll work with a company that maybe has a couple hundred thousand dollars in spend in a few categories or a couple million or tens of millions Obviously, the, the larger, the more spend, the more complicated, the more things that go into it, but they can pick and choose what makes sense and still work directly with suppliers. And we really just provide the contract and the service and, and help our members to try to, and future members, have a great experience, save on average anywhere from between 10, 15, sometimes 20%, depending on how they're buying today. So we're seeing really significant value as an aggregator or GPO, um, or as we like to say, you know, um, a sourcing accelerator. So the, the folks that we would talk to, uh, the practitioners to kind of speak procurement or sourcing or supply chain language, uh, we call them at UNA sourcing heroes because, you know, we think procurement and, and sourcing and buying buyers have a really big role. And uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for C-suite to, to look at that in a more proactive way. It's usually not top of mind for companies, smaller businesses, smaller entrepreneurs, like, wow, well, I need to really focus on how I buy. But what I, again, we use the word hustle and I'll, I'll kind of shut up is there's a lot of hustle in procurement, like how you're buying product, you know, and, and you'd be surprised like how it can add up and really impact your bottom line. And, and so we like to get into that hustle and love working with practitioners as we, again, sourcing heroes that, that get it and understand that we're not trying to force you into our strategy or, but we're a part of the overall procurement strategy. We think we can be a great resource and help you a la carte certain categories that you just don't have a lot of leverage in. And we help bring that leverage and transparency and it's a win for everybody. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. And what kind of businesses do you typically work with? Is that mostly small businesses? You said like anyone from one person to 5,000 employees? Yeah. So I was using kind of the one person as far as maybe like a one show, you know, one pony show uh, procurement team. But again, it's revenue size. It could be anywhere between a couple million to a couple billion. Again, it's the rev, the top line revenue can be really deceiving because we're really looking at, we're trying to understand their spend categories. You know, how much, if you're in healthcare, how much are you doing in in, in mobile, uh, you know, whether it be one of our contracts that's that's a that's a mobile or telephone contract, and or or how what about your medical supplies? And, and if it's if it's purely business, private business, you know, when we everybody was traveling, what you know, are you are you doing rental cars, or should we look at one of our rideshare contracts? And if you've got a big office furniture need that comes up, you know, sporadically, where you know we have thirteen different suppliers in that category. And we do hundreds of millions of dollars in all those categories. For, for example, office supplies or technology or different buys that you think don't add up. But when you start to talk to some of these mid-sized or large organizations, it's amazing. Uh, you know, saving 10, 15% on a couple million bucks or even a couple hundred thousand has has a significant impact. So we keep that front of mind and and that's that's what helps us keep the lights on is literally we, we want to help people buy better, buy smarter, source better and have more transparency in in something that's not super sexy, but man, has real implications. I was just going to say that I was like, this might not sound this might not be the sexiest business, but how did you get into something like this? I mean, I would have. Like, you know, really and we have a yeah. So if I could take just one quick plug, it's it's not about me, it's your audience, but we have a fun if anybody is in this buying, sourcing, procurement space, we Una's got a fun podcast that has nothing to do with us or our space. It has everything to do with the sourcing hero or the practitioner. It is called the Sourcing Hero Podcast. And it's all about telling their stories. And where I'm going with this is most of these folks that, that are in sourcing or procurement typically didn't either go to college or go to school like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be in sourcing or procurement or supply chain, which are some very similar, but also very different. Uh, so I fell into it. Like, look, one of you know, one of my investors and partners is my older brother, and um, you know, there's a unique opportunity after getting fired a few times. It's like, man, maybe you can come over and help us, like, turn this thing around. We, we've, we're, we're starting this because he's got a food service management company. They spend a lot in food, um, you know, buying from from major food distributors like the Cisco's and the U.S. Foods of the world, the two major national brands that most of us are somewhat familiar with, probably see at restaurants. And that kind of was the genesis of, of what Una is today. And we actually service, we have another, a smaller brand that's very niche that services the fraternity and sorority space, uh, which is again, even more niche and focused. We just focus on our food distribution contracts. So we have like 600 customers in 48 states um, that are they're on our food contract that are you know participating, helping, the everyday college student, when they get back to school, um, you know, not only eat great food, but then, you know, get it at a fair price. So we're working with a lot of different for, uh, fraternities and sororities. So I fell into it as a unique opportunity. I know that, you know, your audience is filled with entrepreneurs, small business, medium business. Uh, if everything had been going well in, in the ecosystem I'm part of, there wouldn't have been the opportunity, um, you know, to become an owner and and figure this out and bootstrap this thing and get us out of debt and, and turn it around. So within the mess uh, comes opportunity. Right, absolutely. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. So, um, of course, we kind of hit on the pandemic earlier. So how has your business or your clients' businesses or your, you know, the, the companies that you source from, how have things changed um, in the last yeah. year? I mean, total transparency, Q2 was a punch to the face, you know, March when we just shut down for eight weeks. And I, I know I'm not alone in the, that obvious statement. It, you know, spend was down, everybody, you know, I think consumer spending was a down a third. So I'm actually glad the government did the, did the PPP and Probably the direct checks made a lot of sense too. I mean, we would have probably slipped into another Great Depression had they not done that. Uh, surprisingly enough, um, so that was in, that was that was hard. Uh, what's been nice is we have enough diversity in our business and, and members or customers, or we call them members, that we were able to survive and get on the other side of it. Uh, education is a huge part of our business. That was obviously dramatically hit there for six to eight weeks. I think it goes without saying we've dealt with this as consumers, some of the supply chain, kind of the fancy supply chain term is called bullwhip. You know, everybody was buying all this toilet paper, which is just hysterical. And, and then, you know, you come back the next week and it, and it was just overwhelmed with all this toilet paper. That's the classic understanding of bullwhip. Um, so you're seeing some of that in a lot of different categories, not nearly as much now. I think there's a much better handle on that. Um, but we still have a lot of products like gloves and others when you get into PPP or PPE that uh, we source through or we work with our suppliers that are sourcing that overseas. Still a lot of need for private, you know, larger institutions, business and healthcare. Um, but, you know, look, like anything else, we were trying to figure out our hustle. Like first and foremost, we knew that cost cutting and budgeting uh, were going to get stripped or, or really reduced. So you would think we'd be top of mind. You know, there's a lot of education that we're, that we're continuing to try to pump into the market about what is, how can a GPO really help a business or a healthcare institution? And what does that mean? And what makes this different? And what's it like to work with a value-driven company that thinks about you and you, that practitioner or sourcing hero? And, um, you know, what's the customer experience or member experience, as we say? So, We've had to really just try to bring our game to the next level. Um, the industry, how has it changed? I mean, I think sourcing overseas and being so reliant overseas has really been, I think a lot of companies are looking at that. Uh, so we get a lot of questions around is, you know, is it, is it on the ground product and how, you know, are your suppliers, is there, is there resiliency within their supply chain? What's the resiliency of that company? You know, because there's obviously major brands that are doing a lot of layoffs outside of just airlines and hospitality. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of, we're trying to roll with it. We've, we've done some fun marketing splashes and we knew there was a lot of need here in Kansas City, which is our home base. But we have folks all across the country um, trying to get, get in the weeds and help folks that, that maybe are really, you know, they're really hurting, whether it's kids that, that um, are not getting meals or, um, so we, we have an altruistic approach that that we've been pretty proud of at una again it's a little bit limited with the pandemic how do you how do you do some of that and and um 
you know, still keep your people safe. So, but those are the things I think about when I think how, how has the industry changed and what are we trying to do as an organization and how are we being proactive with our members? Right. And I love what you're doing. Uh, definitely in the, helping the community when it, when it's times are sure. tough, you know, that's the way to do it. Right. And I know we're not alone in that. And I think it's been awesome. Like Kansas city is just, you know, I, I love, I think we've got a really good, strong community that, that is trying to reach across the aisle and, and, and diversity and inclusion and, and really think about the folks that are hurting, um, you know, despite they can sometimes be blind and, and we focus, you know, focus on ourselves typically when there's, there's pressure and stress. Right. So uh, we try to communicate a, a different message and, and we know we're not alone in that effort. So. Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's so important to, yeah, when, when there's a crisis, we kind of become selfish and look in our inward, but it's so important to look outward. <laughs> it's human. It's natural, yeah. right? Yeah. How are we going to survive? How we, you know, we want to keep our people and keep serving our customers, but right. damn it, there's other stuff going on. So. Absolutely. But I was just, you were talking about supply chain and, and it's so interesting to see how fragile our supply chain is. It's a good word, right? It was a, that, it was a shockwave yeah. of, of a somewhat lack of resiliency or maybe an understanding of what it takes to, whether you're talking about groceries or, you know, various products that I know every, I'm sure your audience is like, why is this taking so long? Whether you order a new computer from Apple or you name it, you know, what's, what's with the delay? Is it just COVID an excuse or is it, or has it been a real reality in some of the supply chain inconsistency? And, and the answer is it's, it's very much real. I mean, hell, Amazon is making it more difficult as they were uh, <laughs> uh, ordering product because they were so backed up, which I guess is a nice problem. Good for Amazon, you know, FedEx and UPS dropped their commitment of, you know, some of their overnight commitments on timing. I think in addition to the vaccine, I'm, I think they were just getting overrun, especially with Q4 and in the holidays. But you're seeing a lot of different changes from these major players uh, who are trying to keep up with the inconsistencies in the volume or the lack of resiliency in the supply chain. Yeah, and it's just, up to me, it was just so baffling to see, like, I'm not definitely in that space, but it's like, wow, this is how, like something like this can take down an entire industry world i mean half the world right it's like you know just a small i mean it's not small obviously but if you think about it you know it's yes it's health related but at the same time it was like it right. just had so many shock waves uh, that is obviously affected industries and affected um businesses and everything so it's just crazy to see how fragile the supply chain is and, and you know just wondering what we can do to make it a little bit more stronger i guess i look it's america i hope we can continue to bulk bulk up manufacturing here in america and and put the right incentives in place to make that happen and um you know put more and more people back to work and uh you know educate the folks that, that maybe it's going to be a, a a higher requirement to whatever kind of manufacturing so it, you know, we're thinking about the environment, but we are thinking about how can we can we do that in America? Are we just going to be this information age and continue to, you know, is this going to be a speeding ticket or is this really going to change how America right. looks forward? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm not the guy to tell you that. I don't know. <laughs> Which actually is a good segue into our, our last question is what is your prediction for the industry? We kind of started talking about predictions, but it's not necessarily, you know, it could be anything. It could be your industry specific. It could be sure. forming Mars or AI or self-driving cars or supply chain, whatever you want to talk about. It's a very own. Yeah, I, you question. Know, I'll stay with, I try to stay within my core competencies. What, what we find, and, and this is not necessarily unique to 
procurement or sourcing is we find there's a lot of opportunity with the folks, future member, or, or you know, as we, again, I just love saying it, sourcing heroes that we talk to or managing business and lots of spend or, or a little spend, again, bigger is not always better, is they, they just don't have a handle on their data. And so the whether you say AI or we could get into blockchain and I, I can I know enough to be dangerous there. Like what what is your handle? How are you managing your data? And so if it, maybe it's a company that's got 100 locations and they don't they're not enforcing compliance and everybody's buying differently. Uh, well, of course, you're not going to experience economies of scale and savings. And then you don't have infrastructure or you don't have a the system set up in place to have a streamlined approach to how you're buying. You don't have an understanding of the data. You don't have consistency in pricing product. Um, and so we see uh, there is a faint and there's a huge investment specifically within software systems within procurement um, SAP and some of the big dogs, Ariba, all anybody who's tied to sourcing and buying or they're going to know all these names and then some. So we think there is going to be a fantastic opportunity to help customers at every level, not just within supply chain, to have a better understanding of their data, look look at trends, help them make better decisions, but not just to put it in a fanciful graph or a pivot table, like what does this data mean? And how do I decipher it? And how does it make me help, help me save money or make, make better decisions, uh, invest, you, know, you name it. And so I think the data piece and how data is, is held and captured and understood uh, will be critical. And, and, and it's not really a futuristic, that's, that's now, uh, but you asked me for one, so I think about that. Right, right on, love that. It's so interesting to hear about well, you know, how everyone kind of takes that question and where they go with it. Some of them keep it really close to the, you know, to the best, some are like, Hey, you know, uh, self-driving cars, it's going to be a thing. Yeah, I think it's future. coming. Look, I, do I think we're going to colonize Mars? What's he say? Like, <laughs> you know, Elon's like in 20 or 30 years or something. It might be something far like away. that. Yeah. They want to do manufacturing outside of space or, you know, in space. And that's going to be better for the environment. Or it's, it's not as, uh, there's not as much energy used. I'm not a physics or I just, I think all that'll be good. I think colonizing Mars isn't maybe the end result is maybe not as exciting as the breakthroughs that will come from that, which I think was the whole point of reaching for the moon. And so I think, you know, he said like 10 gigafactories makes us energy independent. I mean, there's, I keep saying he, as ever, as if everyone I'm sure knows who Elon Musk is for better. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's uh, interesting to hear about that. Uh, my, my, my top of mind if, uh, in terms of predictions. For yeah, him, let's hear it. Is a, uh, um, actually somebody, I did, I talk about this on a podcast. I was a guest on their podcast. And so that was the question they had for me. And I was like, you know, for me, top of mind has been living longer. Um, I read this okay. book recently called health focused. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like there's a book called lifespan, uh, by this, uh, doctor. Um, I forgot his, I forgot his name, but you can look up the book and okay. he talks all about like, it wouldn't be on, you know, impossible to be living to you know to be 120 150 very very soon without you know having major health problems like we do you know starting in our 70s and 80s yeah. things like that and so he kind of paints this picture of like what our um you know what our potential reality could be in in the near future based on the technology and the medicine that's coming out and just how much more we know about like stem cells and things like that that can allow us to live 
longer. Um, and I even remember this is, you know, outside of the book that I read by him uh, called Lifespan. Like I said, um, I was reading something on LinkedIn, like, I don't know, a couple of months ago. Um, and it said that a person who who's going to live to be 200 years old has pro probably already been born. Wow. See, now that's a pretty cool futuristic. I'm thinking our industry and staying, you know, staying in my lane, but I love that. So I bet yeah. I got to keep eating healthy and and uh, watch my sugar. Right. Yes. And it, I mean, yeah, the book, if you pick up the book, it's it, he does talk about that. But there's other, uh, many other things that he talks about when it sure. comes to, I mean, of course, yeah, doing like the regular things like exercising and eating well, of course, is a big part of it. But, you know, he talks about but the breakthroughs from the health perspective yes, and from things the that medicine. will come out. Yeah. Will and be technology. So um, impactful. I love it. <laughs> so that's been top of mind for me. So I talk about that. Um, but cool. Thanks so much for being here. This is great. And the last question is, how can our audiences get in touch with you? All right. Well, so I'm going to use a line who I who I know and I believe you're going to you're going to get him on your show. Grant Cardone. He has a great line. So I, I cut my teeth in sales. And I think anybody who's an entrepreneur, CEO, all the way to 5 million, 10 million, you are head of sales. And so it's a quick line. Prospects leads to contracts. And so activity, 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 have a plan and don't get me wrong. Uh, like Abe Lincoln says, sharp, sharpen the ax for a while before you cut the tree down. But my goodness, you know, get out there, make connections, right. prospect, prospect, prospect. You never know who you're going to meet. Uh, and so I, and, and by contracts, I mean, it's, it's going to lead to deals. Right. Um, and so if you, you know, if, I think if I could share too, that's another one by Jim Rohn just continue to become a person of value. And so you're, you're working on yourself harder than you are working on your job. Uh, not that jobs are bad or that you don't want to accelerate in your, in your business or, or, or your career, whatever it is, but goodness, if you can continue to get, get better habits and, and, and be more valuable, uh, you will, your altitude will be limitless. I'll give yes. it at that. I like that. And yeah, if our audiences wanted to find you, uh, what's the best way? Social media? Sure. Yeah. So of course I'm going to promote Una. You can check us out there. Um, I'm available. I think my email is on and then I've got a personal brand as well. Uh, AnthonyClurvy.com, uh, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-C-L-E-R-V-I.com or just type in Clurvy. I'll come up and would love to connect with anyone. And I uh, just really appreciate, love what you're doing. And helping the small and medium-sized business community accelerate and, and uh, glad to be on here, Gene. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Anthony Clarvey. Great to have you on. Awesome. Thanks.